Wait, what's this thing you sent me? That's the Mississippi City, the prehistoric, uh, pre-colonist uh, Native American city in the Mississippi Delta. This is sick. There was apparently like giant wooden structures and I think probably like a trading depot and stuff like that. Wow. So my, like, my, my point on that is like, there was civilization here. People were getting value from the land, even though they didn't find value directly to the land. Yeah. But I think what I was saying there is just like, or what I was trying to say is that like the colonialists colonists came. Sorry. Thank you. I <laughs> right? was like, colonial. are those different? Yeah. Are, are those different things or are those? I don't know. Do we have to look this up? We're just doing the thing we always do and talk about things we're not we're like professionals dude, at. Dude, I those those last two episodes that I listened to, I'm so mad at myself. I like have you heard the the phrase uh your reach exceeds your grasp? Yes. I feel like my grasp exceeds my reach in that I know a lot of things in my head. I don't have the ability to convey them to people. <laughs> so I feel like I like, I like, I have like this dead set thing that I want to talk about. And then it's like <laughs> ADD dribble that just comes out of my mouth when I try to explain it to someone. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I, You've been on fire. I have not listened to the last episode at all. Not even a, not even, I mean, I was on vacation, but like not even a. I, I wanted to, I wanted to get it like, and I missed the Thursday drop, but I got it out on, on Friday. So at least it came out the next week, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Um, Colonialist is a, uh, a, a noun which is a person who supports the practice of gaining political control over other countries and occupying them with settlers. <laughs> so that's imperialism. Okay. What's a colon what's a colonist? Uh oh my god. A colonist is a settler in or inhabitant of a colony. So a colonist <laughs> is kind of right under a colonialist. You can be a colonist and a colonialist. You don't have to be a colonialist to be a colonist, maybe? Uh, yeah, like a colonist is like the person who's who's like in the colony, and the colonialist is like the person who thinks what they're doing is a good idea. <laughs> right, but but to be to take part in a colonialists agenda you are a colonialist and you can be a colonist but you can be a colonialist but then also be like a lawyer <laughs> you could be a colonialist and live not in the colony and not be a colonist right right right, right. but the, col the but the colonist has to live in the colony gotcha and a, yeah and if there's a co if a colony exists then most likely there's a colonialist involved <laughs> Is this going to be comprehensive? What's is a, this what? going to be easy? <laughs> this, we're getting there. We're, this, <laughs> this, is the new, uh, this is the new outline for the show. We, we, we learn. We actually do some research. <laughs> we, we have Wikipedia open, Googling the whole time. Thank you for listening to 2928. We are a semi-weekly podcast presented by two friends. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can find us at 2928.digital, which is where you'll find our entire back catalog of episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at 2928.digital at gmail. You can follow us on your preferred socials, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Please tell a friend, and if you enjoy what you hear, take the time to rate and review helps us find new listeners and once again thank you for listening enjoy the show yeah i didn't know about this uh 
Cahokia. Is that what they called it? I mean, that's what it's currently called. I don't know where that where that name came from, but but I mean, it's it's weird to think that it's like all right, no take back starting now. You know, it's like you you think like okay, property rights start as soon as white law is able to ascribe what those what that what that means. Right. You can't move to a country and then say like you guys are doing this wrong. We own this now cuz we say this and we understand this. You guys are aren't talking our language. So you don't own this anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean you can't Yeah, I don't know, dude. There's just there's a lot of It's like too deep to even talk about cuz like where do you start? And where do you end? Where do you It never ends, but like where do you start? even thinking about some of that stuff. Yeah, and it's I like, mean. And it's nothing we can help because, you know, whatever, we weren't there, but like, that's also like a defeatist thing to even consider because you're thinking about, you know, where that leads you, which is just like, don't worry about it, which like kind of hard, right? Kind of hard not to to think about these things in this modern era and um i think you can still take part in modern society and draw benefit from where we currently stand even though it was built on the the bodies of multiple genocides i i mean if it's not then i i don't know what to tell you like we just need to like give up but knowing being aware being informed trying to be uh empathetic to that shit goes hopefully a, a bit further than just ignoring it you know yeah i think what it, i'm trying to th- yeah no i mean it's I, i'll just i'll keep rambling on it but it's like it's it's definitely stuff that i i think about because like obviously we wouldn't be here we we wouldn't be doing this if you know that shit didn't happen and yeah, we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't have had the chance to exist. Well, even if even even if we existed in some, you know, medieval offspring, like whatever, whatever the alternate universe is of, you know, England, Ireland or whatever before colonialism times are, even if a version of us existed there, it wouldn't be the same as what what life is now. Like everything bad and good that has happened in the world has led everybody to this point. And that sucks for a lot of people who didn't have any control over it and are in, are worse off for it. We didn't have control of it and we're we we reap the benefits of it, you know? Yeah, whatever for better or worse, whatever the fuck that means, but yeah, totally. So, I'm just trying to think about this right now. I got back. So that means that our last episode, I didn't talk about vacation at all because I didn't have the chance to talk about it. Was before, it, was re- it was before you went on vacation, yeah. Oh, I have another like little story to tell you, which is kind of funny. Um, it's, it's a good way to, to, to jump into the next hour. We were, there was a day that was, it was pouring rain. And um, I, I decided to like try and do some like, comedy sketches on my tiktok they didn't work out like no one no one watched them can i see those (laughs) (laughs) right now Uh, no we can wait till after but i need to see those (laughs) (laughs) okay so So anyway, I, you know, I had a, I had a little bit of content, you know, whatever, and I thought I would run with it, and I did. And uh, it was fine. But this day it was raining, we go to this, um, we go to this, you know, we're thinking we're going to do a little lighthouse tour, right? So let's go to three lighthouses or whatever. So we go to the first lighthouse, um... And uh, we show up and it's just, it's under construction. So it's covered in scaffolding and it's a fucking monsoon out. I mean, it is just like, I don't even know. The weather was uh, ridiculous. I mean, it was just 
probably 40 mile an hour winds that were pretty consistent and rain and it was like whatever it was you know it's global warming so it's like 70 degrees <laughs> it's like it's not even cold which sucks it's like if you want to if it's going to be like that you might as well have it be cold and chill your bones right but not not a thing so we go we you know i take a, f- a couple photos or whatever and you know um record a couple tiktoks and then <laughs> another day at the office in the, <laughs> get back in the car and um you know drive to you know the next place but you know my son wasn't having a good time and he's only a couple months old so he's just like crying whatever all right time for lunch we do the lunch thing it works out fine we're we gotta like try and work in kids naps too which is why this is it is difficult to do the whole your kids are young thing because you still got to work in naps. As soon as you're done with like naps and shit like that, then you're smooth sailing. Like life gets a lot better really quick. You know, you can do normal shit all the time. You don't have to like work in this midday nap to cut to break up your day. Right. Right. So it's like you could stay at the beach all day if you wanted to instead of like leaving at one thirty to go put your kids down for a nap. Right. So. I go to, so we, we go get food. Food was great. More fucking seafood. I seafooded my face off. I just like threw so much seafood at my face. Um, we're at this place in Wellfleet getting food and get back in the car. You can't take a left-hand turn on Route 6. It's too crowded. Like, it is just... There are too many fucking cars. And I'm in the Honda, and the Honda has no no balls. It's just slow as fuck. So anyway, you just... You take a right. You go in the wrong direction. You're going to do a UE somewhere, whatever. You'll figure it out. So... To just kind of make sure that we could get some quiet kids in the car, or maybe see if I could, you know, get a... a, a car nap started or something like that i zoom off onto this side road and i see a sign that says beach and i'm like oh cool because obviously the whole fucking place is beaches so of course there's a beach um and i guess i'll look at my phone and figure out what it was called but basically we went to this beach that i had never heard of before and i guess there's some sort of like beauty in this for me where like I almost don't know how to describe it, but it's like, it was called Newcomb Hollow Beach. But a place that's so small and yet so big, like you can still find like little crevices that are new to you. And like, I bet I could spend summers for the rest of my life finding new places on Cape Cod because there's so many different beaches. And even though it like, it like might just be like, maybe that's not a big deal, right? Maybe that's like not novel to anyone, but like to me seeing a beach that I've never been to before, it, it is, it is really cool. And it was beautiful. The waves were fucking rolling in cause it was just past the storm. we, eight and then the day kind of cleared up a little bit but heavy duty shark activity and bad weather means that literally no one was on the beach i had the beach all to my fucking self um so i got to walk in the waves with iris and you know with the waves coming in like really really hot and heavy and she loved it that was like the coolest thing for her to see just nature doing its thing so it, it was just, uh, it was amazing. Um, but big dunes, like the, like kind of the quintessential, like what I think of the dunes are like something that I think of when I think of, um, Cape Cod, like the big sand dunes and then the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, it was it was cool. And then we got to basically drive on Ocean View Drive, which I had also never been on. I probably have. I probably did in high school with my parents, but like I didn't remember it. Um, but it was cool to just like do that little that little stint there in Wellfleet. I guess I just haven't spent a lot of oceanside time um in Wellfleet before. I think we're always like a little bit more south, I guess, if we go to the ocean. Um but anyway, it was just it was very it was very cool. There's like the National Seashore, which is like the next beach down, I think. Um Yeah, it was it was beautiful and didn't get out to Provincetown. Spent a little time in Truro, but not much. Um, I think, but I think I am going to be excited to like go back to go back to the Cape and like explore more. And hopefully, hopefully with a bike, maybe next summer I'll bring a bike. Maybe I'll build a bike that's just for beat for the for the Cape. Cape but, bike. Yeah, Cape bike. I got a lot of extra bikes and bike parts sitting around. I um just in the past like maybe year and a half, I like finally replaced the bottom bracket in on my old Panasonic. Oh yeah. That was something was, that should have been Were those were those cottered or was that what were you working with on that? No, it was it that bike is an 81 Japanese bike, so 1981. Um so it is just like a regular old Japanese threaded bottom bracket. I okay. had I had sealed What did you replace it with? Oh, a sealed unit of a full sealed cartridge, a Shimano sealed cartridge. Okay. Uh, um which is brilliant. Like so, did you change out the you change out the cranks and everything then too, or no? The cranks just bolted right back on, no problem. Hmm. So, for like, you still have your Nishiki. Oh yeah. So like that is that sealed bottom bracket. Boy, is that an upgrade? I uh, I should have done that a long time ago. I suppose I didn't have any money to do that a long time ago. I mean, so. I did that on the my. My dad's old Janae knockoff or whatever uh, knocked out the the cotters and put in a sealed bracket on that, and it's been it's been good ever since. That was you know thirteen years ago. <laughs> yep. Yep. Does that bike get used still? Uh, not in the past. Not since I moved to the valley. Yeah, it's up there. I I I, I still maintain the Nishiki, but the that one's just kind of hanging out there. I hate the handlebars on it since I fucked up my my bull's horns on it. Cause you just made those, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, those were the drops that were on the bike, and I just hacked them up. But then they broke when I went over the handlebars on it, and then I mm. took the stem and handlebars from my Diamondback mountain bike, which was fuck to shit and have them in the fork that I replaced because the fork got completely mangled in that too. My foot got stuck in the wheel mm-hmm. and uh, and I hate the, the mountain bike bars on it. You know what I have still is I have your mom's Gerard Janae. I yeah, could I just send you the I could send you the whole front end of that bike. You could just do the same thing over again. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if the si- the sizing would match up with the the fork on there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I mean I'm sure I can It's going to it's going it's going to look like a little hot rod with like a 27 inch wheel in the back and a you know <laughs> 25 in the front. <laughs> Everyone's like uh why is your bike lowered? It's it's my speed it's my 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 time trial bike. <laughs> that actually that is what that is what um what Velo drone bikes look like is yeah it? it's up in the back I, I don't know if it's an actual tire difference or just a offset i don't know i have a couple things that would probably work i wonder you probably have to have hmm, well I, pro- I i definitely have enough parts here to like 
go scavenge the basement and find something for you. I have uh I have that black Schwinn still. Um I have my Atala still. I don't know why I still have that. Um those, I have a bunch of like those, yeah. those that my dad had were incredibly unique not in a good way but unique right. in a frustrating find part replacement way yep um the the size of the of the actual uh head tube and the stem is not normal for french or american bikes at the time uh <laughs> So it's like you find something that works and then it's like, all right, I guess this is it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I I mean, that's the, the lucky thing about having, you know, the Panasonic is that it's Japanese. So that's all just standard. Well, it's I mean, it's, it's new enough too. like my dad was probably my dad was probably like 10 years older than that. Um, yeah, probably. And, and it was built during that first bike boom where they just wanted it to go on the shelves as a as a as a French racer and try to cash in on the 1970s bike craze, and they did. Yeah, because they because they sold them. Yeah, but they didn't sell but, it. Like I I found, uh, I found the one that you have, my mom's bike, on eBay for like the exact same model on eBay. Wow. But I can't wow. find I can't find a men's one on there. I'm, I'm tempted to, to like I, I'd love to find a men's one and just built it up how it was originally, you know. That's so weird. I don't I don't know if uh, I don't know if I uh, recommend that. I mean, it would be cheap. They're so weird. I just looked up Gerard Genet and it gave me. Um, a, a, a grave a headstone yeah that's that's where they buried all of them like the uh the et video game the bikes (laughs) (laughs) the et video game (laughs) uh was that on a podcast i mean absolutely it had to be on a podcast somewhere they made like a little documentary about it there's been fucking av club articles on it and everything it's it's out there i've never heard if there's a podcast for it but it's it's rife for uh, podcast fodder. They, um, I listened, I did listen to a podcast. I don't know which show it was, but I listened to a podcast that talked about it. They, um, they interviewed the guy who wrote it. Um, and the reason why it sucked so bad is so simple. It's because marketing, they, oh, n- no, they only gave him, dude. They gave him only like two months to write it. Right. They they just wanted something on the market so that they could sell it. It wasn't, they didn't care at all. Like, especially at that time when video games and home console games were so new, they didn't fucking care. It was like, it was a, it was a Happy Meal kids toy at that point. You know, it's, it was just a throwaway. They had no idea that, that like video games mattered to people. Dude, it's such a, Oh my god, dude! It, it's just such a an interesting story. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember listening to that story. Super weird, but I had no. Obviously, I'd never heard of that before. Because, like, who the fuck would? Who the fuck would? I just like I don't know, like that kind of stuff. I never think about that kind. Of, I don't I think don't, about eighties videos. It was ga- video. It games. was before I would have ever known about it. Like I was way too young if i was alive at the time but the fact that i know it means that it became a cult popular talking point especially in the past five years which is when it probably really started becoming a a touch point for i don't know pop culture failure or something like that i'm not really sure what what it's a touch touch point for but the fact that i'm aware of it and you're aware of it says a lot about that thing that happened 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Right. It, it's, it's just one of those things that I think that, you know, there's probably, 
there's probably only a certain number of there's something that like we our generation finds interesting in old stories and i think if someone finds the the like old story um and shares it with everyone then um there's just something about our culture now that we like we like see well is it is it just so did this curiosity and fascination with this type of story, like a, a true story you'll never believe, is was that there first or has it been engineered in the past 20 or 30 years by 15 celebrities you won't believe what they look like now type clickbaity shit? Like, so this is oh, this is like getting into something that like I just what I I saw. I saw something today which like really was like i don't want to say depressing but it was just like it did it did make me reflect on like the media consumption sort of end of things and whatever and i don't want to say like like i clearly um i partake more than you do for sure um and i partake more than others but i also basically the guy was saying something super simple, which is just like, we've turned like a counterculture movement. That was once like this big deal in America. That was actually a cultural movement that like had legs that like could have been something great. Had we pushed through with that same counterculture movement of like, you know, forcing like basically the pressures of like politics or the pressures of like making sure it was known that the American people didn't support the U S government when the U S government like went to war and shit. And now these days that is turned into that is now content and that content now, instead of doing something that was like a social act once, where it was like a legit grassroots social act, now these days, that's monetized by a big corporation somehow, some way. And it's like that, that through that stretch, that, that like connection, I was just like, oh my God, because you know, it was like the the idea is like it was about being a hippie. It was about going to, you know, it was about expressing yourself. It was about like and then these days it's like we do all of those things like we ride our bikes from, you know, like Seattle, Washington to Mexico. But we. You know, do that whole thing and then. 500,000 people subscribe to the channel to watch it. And then TikTok makes money off of it. YouTube makes money off of it. Maybe you get a sponsorship from Lululemon and now Lululemon's making money off of it. And it's like this fucked up thing that like everyone wants to get their five minutes of fame, but at what cost, right? At what, at what global cost, right? Um, or maybe cultural cost, I guess, is the is the thing that we're talking about here. But I just I heard that guy say that and I was just like, oh, that's just that's just depressing. So I feel like there's it's tricky because I'm 100 percent a cynic, especially for that shit that you see. I always think something's a plant or a marketing campaign or done with the interest of, you know, forwarding someone's publicity or profile or bank account some way. But there's a danger to fall into thinking that everything that you see online is insincere and viewing it with a skeptic's lens. I think because we're in a position where we saw the counterculture of the 60s live out to become our parents and our uncles and the people that we saw on TV every night. 
because we saw them sell out and become, you know, uh, the yuppies of the eighties and the, the hedge funds and stock traders of, of Reagan era, big bank and everything. We, it's essentially like, you know, you're seeing a folk hero die at that point or something. If you were, if you were to see like, this was Woodstock, which was fucking awesome. And then this is what they're doing now. I, I don't clearly remember, but I always have this kind of cloudy memory of when songs that my parents listened to and songs that I knew of my parents' music and stuff started showing up in like McDonald's ad campaigns and, and Nike commercials and shit. So now living when we live, I feel like something can start out very sincere, like the anti-war movement in the 60s. And rather than taking 20, 25 years to completely change gear and sell out, because that's the lifespan of a person, you know, you're 18, you're idealistic, you're fighting for something that you believe in. And then 25 years happened and you have two kids and you have to pay to live and you have to survive. So clearly you're selling out in the view of your 18 year old self, but you're also taking part and trying to like not just survive, but thrive in the world that hasn't really changed the way that you thought it was going to change. That happened on a 25 year old timeline that we all grew up and saw because we watched the fucking wonder years and we watched the Woodstock documentary and we watched Forrest Gump and, and all that. And now we have the internet. So that 25 year lifespan is now three months. Something can happen and it can be completely insincere. And then three months goes by and everybody tries to figure out, well, we can make money on it this way. We can have a concert benefit this way. We can have these people show up on our talk show this way. And, and that'll generate people. We can sell ad revenue on both the MSNBC talking head show and the Fox talking head show and YouTube. And they can appear on every single podcast and completely feed the ecosystem of this cult of personality. It's completely accelerated to the point where it happens on Friday and the next, you know, the next Friday we're sick of it. And we think that everybody's a corporate shill or, or a plant. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, no, totally. I don't, I don't I have mean, a solution to that, but that's, that's like, it's an interesting to me because I'm the one saying it and thinking of it right now. It's very interesting to me. Um, <laughs> that that's kind of how something grows and then dies. And it's accelerated because everything in this fucking world is accelerated. Now we get immediate feedback. So the TV stations are like, we need to get this shit on our shows because it's blowing up on the internet. We know exactly what they want. It's only going to be good for, you know, two weeks or something like that. And then they'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. You're, you're, making me think of a few things, but um, the this makes me think about like whether or not something is good, not necessarily content, let's even say music, right? But there are some albums and some there's some there's some music that I listened to in like i don't i don't know in the last let's say 10 years and i might have really liked it maybe even the last 15 years and i might have really liked it at the time but it's amazing how little of that music holds up in the same way that like led zeppelin would and that is interesting to me and and what you're saying about this timeline going from 20 years and then being compressed down to a light like a life cycle in 3 months is so true sometimes it's even less than that but that's another you know whatever that's another entire thing even things that are 
not necessarily things that like become commercialized that weren't before or like whatever, but but sometimes just the content itself, which you know, it seems like it's made for just a moment, right? It's made for just this moment. It's not even made to stand the test of time. It's just to make you snap your fingers for five minutes and then you're gonna be bored with it. That that I'm trying to pull on that thread because that is such an interesting idea to me. Um I mean and then in Oh yep. Go on. No, I was just gonna say, and the other thought, which like is an entire different subject, whatever, is what you just said also made me think of like the fact that I I'm pretty sure I've said this on the show before, but like when Dickens was writing, Dickens was publishing chapter by chapter in a newspaper. Right. And that is their modern, like people, people think about Dickens as just whatever they think about him. I don't, I don't really care that much, but like they think of him as such a, great writer and it's like all these works were canonical and yada 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 but like i always think about the fact that that was like the early version of like some sort of social media some sort of like this this was manual social media basically because this guy was was able to get feedback in real time almost you know what i mean as he was writing the next chapter like, oh, did you not like that character development? Or you did like that character development? Great, I'll run with that one. Right. You know, and it's just that is an interesting way to write a book. And it's not how we think of, it's not how we think of someone like Dickens. We think of Dickens as like this, you know, his, his work his work on a whole and not from week to week. Right. Like we're we we're, a, we're able to view him from his actual library and not his his monthly his monthly uh submission. Right. And I'm sure those those monthly, you know, um chapters they I'm sure they got edited when they went into the whole work, but just thinking about that alone is there's just some throughput there. There's some connection there that is like, I just want those things to be, to be linked. Like what you just said. And I, and, and thinking about that, how important we've, we've always maintained this importance of, um, what a group thinks, you know, we always right. want, and we Pop, want acceptance. I mean, it's, it's popular culture, whether it's Dickens or Zeppelin or, you know, fucking cranberries right um i think especially especially since selecting music and finding songs for the for the ends of these these podcasts i've definitely discovered and exposed myself to so many bands that have i've never heard of or been aware of or like that's my goal when i find a song i try to find something that has the fewest views across you know all of youtube that that i like yep i feel like to the point of your your led zeppelin standing the test of time versus what we listened to in the 90s i think aside from time which i think time is definitely a large factor there you're also it's a completely different uh uh, size pool that each of them are being drawn from. Led Zeppelin hit and they pushed them out the door but at the same time there were 40 other bands like Led Zeppelin making Led Zeppelin like songs that totally. didn't go anywhere. Yeah. No, I I think about this all the time. I mean I I, when I when I worked at the radio station, sample um, size. I was trying to say sample size, not pool. There you go. <laughs> when I worked at WCDB, um, there was a guy, this guy Jeff, who was like a he was like a classical violinist. The guy was a little bit nuts. I loved him. He was wait, just what was like, what's WCB? Uh, the 
the U Albany radio station. Oh wait, you were on you were on college radio. Yeah, I was on college radio on WSUC. Nice. All right, and now and yeah. now look at us. We're in twenty first century radio now. Yeah, I mean now we're doing this. We just uncovered a history that we didn't know about each other. That we were both uh, we were both radio DJs. I had no idea that we were both on college radio. It's weird. I mean, it makes sense. But there was this guy in, I mean, our setup there was so cool. I was also, this was in 2005 and 2006. Um, But in 2005, I was using an iPod. Um, I was going between the new plays and between an iPod. I was literally like the only one in there using an iPod. No one else would. Um, and it was, that was interesting to me because I had like, I didn't have, um, I didn't have any rules. We figured out really quickly how the, how to set ourselves up so that we had no rules. Um, I'm so surprised this hasn't come up before because I've clearly, I've definitely told like stories about going to the radio station um, that that summer. Um, I don't know, man. Dude, that was the summer of, it was the summer of 06. But that summer was, um, it was very pivotal for me at that time because <clears throat> I also, it was it was like it was everything to me. I learned so much about music that summer. I opened my mind to like all sorts of different genres and shit. Um we would we would do the mail over the summer. No one else was there. It was just me and Noah. And we had our own department. We created our own department because Everyone wanted to be in the like indie department. So, but being in a department me- meant that you had to do, you had to, there was like a chair of the department and that chair could assign duties to the people in his department. And so basically the the hack for that was make your own department and be the head of your own department so you don't have to do shit for anyone. And so Noah and I were in charge of um, what at the time we were calling RPM, um, also known as world music, um, which I think there's like a whole bunch of different things you can call it. But basically the electronic music, um, EDM, and all that stuff coming out of Europe, there was a ton of fucking music getting sent to us so every week we would go to the mail room and we'd have this bin i mean one of the big push cart bins right filled with fucking singles albums people sending this shit from fucking everywhere record labels sending samples it was more music than you could possibly listen to like and we would go through these, you know, these bins. We'd read the, like, I'd read the the names of these bands out loud. Um, sometimes I would, like, talk, I would talk on air and be like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, say three different bands and I want someone to call in and tell me which one to play. And you getting that engagement, people would call. Um, it was really kind of funny. Um, and then there was this one time, I think that was the summer that um, Tom York's album came out. And for lunch, I wanted to hear the album, but I also like was starving. And so I waited till lunch. I put the disc in. It was, you know, whatever. It was... Um, not a safe harbor show, so we had to bleep everything and shit. And 
I ordered my pizza. Noah was with me. We had left the the studio like unlocked, unmanned, just playing Tom York's Eraser album like in its entirety. And we were listening in my Jeep. I have the radio on listening to the album because obviously I want to listen to the album. That's the whole point of why I did it. And Noah and I are eating the pizza and all I can hear is Tom York saying, this is fucked up, fucked up. And I'm like, oh, we can't do that. And I was like, oh, we're going to lose our fucking, like someone's going to turn us in for that shit. Play an entire song with the F word that's like 40 times. I have not thought of my time at radio for 20 years. (laughs) And you talking about this right now reminds me that the show that I was on, it was me and this guy named Todd Story. I'm fairly certain we hold the record for the largest fine uh, sent to a a, a SUNY college uh, radio station. What? For, I can't, I'm trying my damnedest to remember what it was, but I remember it being a big deal. And then like the year after it, I just didn't go back to radio. I cannot remember what it was for. What was the radio station called? WSUC. Oh man. Would it would it have been we should we should oh I bet we don't have any like WSUC 90.5. Oof. Alright, let me check Wikipedia here. Oh, because you think that like your fuck up is gonna be Dude, it would be amazing. FCC notice of apparent liability. Oh, no, wait. This is 1993. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened in 93? They, they played uh, mid-afternoon broadcast, which included the uncensored version of the lead single... Yoda Lin in the Valley from the Kid Rock album Grit Sandwich for Breakfast. I'm sorry, wait. Kid Rock had an album in 93? Yeah. Is that what you is that's what you just told me? Yeah. What? What? It was released it was released in 1990. It was back when he was doing his vanilla ice shit. What? It's called Grits Sandwiches for Breakfast. No. And he's got a, like a high top fade in there. Like no, they, come on. They were trying oh. they were trying to to find where they could make him a fucking viable commodity commodity as as early as 1990. Uh. I mean when he finally made it he was old, so it makes sense. And then he came back with Cheryl Crow as a fucking country artist. I don't know. Maybe I'm just conflating a photo I saw on the wall at the, at the radio station with this memory, but I swear to God, we got in trouble, and I can't remember what it was. That's but, fine. I but, mean, but still, a twenty-three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars fine from the FCC. So there's some truth in in this bullshit story. This just happened ten years before I was there. <laughs> well, you should get. You got to call Todd's story and ask him what happened. He's probably got the story. I I have no idea what he's doing. We can look him up. I'm sure we'll find him. Where do you think he... What What was his major? Probably communications like me. Oh. Is he a quantitative analyst at Wells Fargo? I mean, it's very possible that that's where he landed. I don't, do you oh, have, no. You, this guy... Sorry, this you, guy's you, wicked old. And you need to have like a like a math background for that too, I think. Fair enough. I yeah our our summer of um our summer of radio was amazing. Oh, I didn't even tell you the reason why this came up to begin with. Jesus Christ, <laughs> the <laughs> fuck. Oh my god, this fucking show, man. Um, 
<laughs> this is I I will listen to this back and get so angry for not saying this. So I'm Dude, glad that, I remembered. Okay, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you remember it now because listening back to these shows, I get mad at both of us. I'm like, why won't you just say this? It'll say bring it. the whole conversation together. Oh yeah. But then that's fine because then I hope like maybe a listener is thinking that same thing. Yeah, it's and like, shouting these guys at their are, car. Yeah, exactly. These guys are idiots. Why won't they just say <laughs> Why doesn't you just say sample size? Um <laughs> You're out to get me, you're on the right track. 